I think we're not reborn once, but multiple times in our life. I had certainly multiple times when I was reborn. I think it's uh, the transformations that we go through, the bigger ones, of course, uh, where we can give ourselves the chance to be a new version of ourselves. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. My guest today is a beautiful friend who I spent two weeks continuously in a room with a few years ago. And even though we don't see each other much and even though we don't speak much, she, she's in my heart. And I was just telling to her before we started recording, sometimes I think, what, was, what would Nias think if I asked her now about this. So she is a master life coach, is the master NLP practitioner. She did all these courses with me, the master uh, certifications. She's a lot more than that. And we want to talk about everything else she does. But I want to start by presenting her in this way. She has a company or a website called Rebirth by Hekma. Welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, Nias Hekma. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? Thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, I would like to say hello to all your listeners as well. Um, yes, I am at your disposal. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to pick your brain because you're a fascinating person. You grew up in Dubai. Um, and to me, though, from the course, from the time that we spent, you are the roomy girl. You're the one who quoted poetry in the during the course. And I know that this goes back to your love for ancient Persian poetry because your parents are from Persia. Your parents are from Iran. Yes, um, uh, that's very true. And my my father, he he is a lover of Persian poetry and he used to read us Persian poetry since as far back as I can remember, my my earliest memories when I was five, I guess sort of in my mind, I always relate uh, deeper concepts with um, the poetry that I've been read to for so long. Uh, one of them being Rumi, yes. Did you or do you travel to Iran? Because uh, my daughter spent quite a long time, quite a bit of time in Iran and she absolutely loved it. And everybody who goes to Iran loves it. And I want to go and I keep missing the good times. Like right now is not a good time again, but I will go. <laughs> What's your relationship with Iran? I do go to Iran a lot um, right now because, uh, well, you know, I have twins. So because I've been busy with the twins, uh, we haven't got to go uh, recently but uh, especially before I had the kids I would go every few months because I mean um, living in Dubai I had the privilege of having Iran very close as well I used to go to visit mostly family there so I was going to Tehran uh, I had been to Shiraz as well but um, recently I've been seeing a lot of beautiful places in the north uh, which I've visited before as well uh, opening up for um people to go and visit. And I'm really looking forward to going soon. Yeah, I think sometimes we need, you know, our own country, like I'm from Switzerland. I have not lived in Switzerland that much. I have lived in Cyprus more or in other places more. So sometimes we need to rediscover our home country. I guess, though, in your case, 
Which is your home country? Is it Dubai where you grew up or what, what do you consider? You're a bit of a torn uh, citizen, aren't you? Yes. I considered Dubai my home for a very long time and I still do. After I got married to a Turkish man and after having spent a lot of time in Turkey, I can say I consider Turkey my home too. I would like to also mention one thing that happened before I met my husband. Um, ironically, I went there. I, I was going to Turkey for work. I was around 17 and I was working from there then. And I was with my father on this business trip. And I remember that when when I got in through the airport and when we went to the city and I, I told him, you know, this is a place I can call home. That's funny, isn't it? Um, you, attracted, yeah. you attracted that man. I hadn't met my husband then. I mean, I met him in Dubai later on. But it was, uh, and I love the language. I started learning the language in the five days we were there. So it was kind of, I don't know, I, I attracted, as you said, I probably attracted it. And I, I think that Turkey is very similar to Iran. It's just without some of the rules that right now Iran has. So it feels very, uh, very like home. <laughs> that is beautiful. Even though I haven't been to Iran, but I have because from people who have been there. You're right. It, it has a lot in, in common, lots of beautiful colors, beautiful food, beautiful spices, yes. beautiful people. And um, because you asked me, where do I consider home? I would also want, I also want to mention that when I go to Iran as well, it smells like home. Even though I, I all my life I've been in the UAE, but Iran also has this, I don't know, when I go there, I feel emotional. I feel like I've gone back to somewhere I belong. I could imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but UAE is, it is very, it's a big contrast to countries like Turkey and, and uh, Iran. It is quite, I don't, maybe you won't like the word artificial, but it ask, actually was built in the last 30, 40 years. It didn't exist before, whereas Iran and Turkey have thousands of years of culture. That's, uh, that's very true. Uh, you know, as you said, I'm I'm kind of torn in between because I would say, for example, if I would spend uh, last two years ago, we spent four months in Turkey and it was amazing. I loved it. But at the same time, I miss Dubai. I miss the multiculturalness, you know, like just hearing when you go to a coffee shop here, you hear people talking different languages. And maybe because I, I grew up like that. So it was um, it was something that I missed about Dubai. And, but yes, um, I'm also, I'm a nature lover and the nature of Dubai is a more like beach and sand. But for me, I, I love the forest. I love trees. Um, I connect there with myself much better. So, um, yes, when I go to Iran and Turkey and I usually spend time in uh, natural places and yes, that one you can't find in the UAE. You know, people often ask me because I also travel a lot and they ask me, what's your favorite place? And I don't believe that we have to have a favorite place. I feel, I believe that we can like everything and, you know, we can, yeah. we can like the contrast. We can like the, um, let's say the, 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 the modern Dubai and the ancient Iran or the ancient. I think there's an absolutely, that's the beauty about life to be able to love a lot or, or as much as possible. Yes, to open our hearts as much as we can and just um, love as much as, yes, 
we can. You can never love <laughs> enough, I believe. Yes, exactly. And one interesting thing that um, Dr. Joseph Spencer uh, mentions is he says, every single time I do a heart meditation, I ask myself, how much more love is possible for me to hold? And he says, every single time I get the answer that there's more. Wow. So I think that's the beauty of uh, humans. That's beautiful. And I know from our time together and from what we did together, you are very much interested in the meaning of life. In the meaning of life and uh, in a self-discovery. Um, I believe when we know ourselves, we can get to know more about why we're here or what this life is, uh, basically. I think that knowing yourself is all about knowing what you're not. So we discover more and more about what we're not and what we, what the, our true self is actually not. So all those layers or all those beliefs or all those attachments, um, like I am from this country. I'm just relating it to what we were talking about. So if, if you want to say, I'm from this country and that's it, this is me, you're, you're constraining yourself. But we can be much more than that. We can, we can love more than that and be open to more than that. And I think the more we open ourselves up, um, the more we can discover that. Yes, and I think in the, at this time it would be a good moment to give a little shout out to Robert Simich who brought us together because in that course that we did in this master coach training, we were, I don't remember, but we were, we were 20, over 20 nationalities during these two yeah. weeks and there was absolutely no, you know, we were not nationalities, we were just all together and we were all in there and we were all one. And I think especially... In this present political situation again, I mean, it's not just the present, the thing that happened recently, but all the conflicts in the world. Do you believe that if we knew ourself, ourselves more and if we understood why we're here, things would be different? Definitely. I think it's time um, to wake up to the fact that we need to um, have a look internally, because once we can understand that we are more than we believe we are, we can also accept that everything else is more than it seems. So everyone else, uh, if, if there is like some nationality that someone hates, once they learn more about themselves, they can learn more about the other, that the other is also more than what they see. Um, it's not just the labels they've been given in media. It's not just the, well, yeah, the labels that they have, but they're much more beyond that. And they are exactly like us. I think separation goes away once you learn more about yourself. And about others. And I think the big problem about racism, racism is ignorance, is about, is not knowing. It's uh, and not finding out, wanting to find out about uh, another people. And uh, that's the beauty about children. Children don't know that. They they haven't, because racism is, a con is conditioned. You aren't born a racist. Yes. And unfortunately, uh, hopefully not, but unfortunately what's happening now is pushing us more back into uh, programming the children to, you know, see those lines or those those lines which we have 
created between ourselves and the others, uh, rather than teaching them to um, to to learn that those don't exist. As you're saying, it's it's just ignorance, just knowing that knowing that um, there is more beyond what we're seeing. I think can change things. Definitely, and you have twin boys who just started school. Yes. In a very international, multicultural environment. Yes, that's true. Yes. They were being homeschooled before. I was homeschooling them. And now they started with grade one in school. Like primary school grade one. Primary school grade one, yes. But you told me that they already speak or understand English, Farsi and Turkish. Yes, they understand uh all three languages, and they're especially very good with English. Um, so they're not having any issues communicating with other kids. Uh, what I loved the other day is one of them came home and he said, I know a word in Russian because he has a Russian classmate. And um, that's when I realized how lucky they are to be uh, in this, you know, in this type of environment in school. That's Dubai. I mean, this is the, the beauty. I, you're totally right. That's the beauty. This being so multicultural and, 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 and just hearing any possible language under the sun when you walk around, when you're in a mall or in a restaurant or somewhere. That is the beauty of Dubai. What else is beautiful in Dubai? Because it's, after all, we're going to go deeper afterwards in your rebirth by Hekmat, but yes. it's your most memorable journey. So I hope you visit again. And um, well, now Dubai is very different from when you came here. There's many, many, many more buildings. I was Um, there last year. You weren't there. I went to the opening of the Global Woman Club and I met up with our other friends. Yes, yes. I remember now. Yes, that's true. Oh, so you've seen the developments coming up. It's was it different? It's very, very, oh yes. I mean, every time, the first time I came in 2006, actually, that's not true. You know, I came to Dubai the first time in 1989. Oh, I was, I didn't uh, know that. Our, our planes used to stop over on the way to Asia. They used to stop over in Sharsha. And one day yeah. there was a, a des- you know, a storm, like a, a sandstorm and they couldn't land and they had to go and land in Dubai and we had to stay a night and Dubai was a village. 1989, were were you born in 1989? Yes, I was. I was here in 1989. Wow. So you have seen it grow much more. Yes. Dubai, but it was always, um, you know, even even when it seemed like a village, it was still really good. Maybe, maybe because I was young for, for me at that age, but it was always extremely safe. It was, um, multicultural even at that time. So it had all the positive things except for the modern, uh, side, but it was still more modern than a lot of places. Uh, so people were still coming here and there were tourists coming here for shopping, but we had, we had maybe, Two uh, shopping malls back then. Mm-hmm. Definitely more now. My God, yes. But you know, I also know from, especially from people for, uh, from Switzerland, 
they come for the beach because that's because I also live on the beach here in Cyprus. I I don't need to go somewhere for the beach, but uh, I sometimes forget that there are countries in this world which are landlocked and they don't have a beach and they visit Dubai to yeah. maybe a little shopping, maybe a little uh, adventure, but they want to sit in the sun. They are now extending the beaches here. They're going to make them uh, two times more by 2030. This is what I've heard. I live near the beach and I have to actually tell my my children this as well, that there's some countries that don't have a beach because when we were traveling through Europe this uh, summer, they were shocked that, you know, there's no beach. I go to the beach every morning. I ground myself and I love that about Dubai. Yes, that's um, that's a big plus. Um, so, uh, and the beach is, now they've taken care of the beaches so well. There is a lot of amenities just close by. So it's it's really easy and nice to go to the beaches here. Let's learn a little bit here because you said that you're going to the beach to ground yourself. There may be people who don't know what that means. What does it mean to ground yourself? Grounding is usually done by going bare feet on soil or on sand. And it kind of, I think it balances the charge in the body to release some of the electric charge, which can be harmful to us. And balancing that electric charge has proven now, there are a lot of documentaries about this. I think one is called Grounding. It helps cure a lot of problems that uh, one may have, a, a lot. Like the, the things that I've heard people curing with grounding um, have shocked me a lot because it's it's a bit wide range from um, from back pains to... Um, to cancer even some people, well, with other therapies, but it's helped them accelerate that. So um, I go in the mornings and I feel much better, to be honest with you. So I, I feel it. I don't know if uh, everyone would be able to do that, but uh, not the first time I did it, but when I do it uh, for some time, I feel it. And when I don't do it for some time, I feel the difference as well. So I go, yes, I go and I swim or I walk barefoot when I'm doing, I do something called the walking meditations in the morning, um, which I, uh, mostly I learned through Dr. Just, uh, Joe Dispenza's work while I walk barefoot. So I don't walk on the walking track like everyone else. I take that time to walk bare feet. One thing that I heard is um, in, in, Persian traditional medicine, because we have our uh, traditional medicine like Ayurveda, there is there are uh, certain practices they do in Iran. Uh, they talk about the importance of grounding yourself or being in um, in water at sunrise uh, and the benefits of that, and that you can cure any disease doing that. So. I do it during my walking meditations at sunrise. Usually I go at sunrise. That is so wonderful. And you know, when you actually consciously start thinking about how much time we spend not being on on nature, on grass or on, on sand or or on you can even be on snow if you want. But you know, on because we we it's it's mostly plastic that we're, we're it's either our it's shoes or floors or or grounding is something that is happens very rarely if you don't do it consciously. Yes. 
Yes, very true. But when, well, this this summer when I was in Sweden visiting my grandparents, my grandmother told told me something very interesting. She my my grandmother's from Russia originally, and she was saying that her grandmother, who lived quite long, uh, my mom actually got to see her as well. She said in their school when they were when they were having the break time, they would make kids take off their shoes and run on the grass. And which made me realize that they knew back then they were mm-hmm. doing this back then uh, consciously. And um, they probably they knew the, the benefits. But yes, I think I think a lot of uh, even issues with people feeling depressed, feeling disconnected. Gro- one thing grounding has done for me is it's made me feel more connected. And when I don't do it for a while, I feel this. I do feel disconnected. So I think a lot of people who are feeling that way, they can try it out and see how if it creates any change for them. Yeah, I think um, feeling disconnected is very modern, and and it's the you know it's in our times. What gets to me is that being busy is so is you know makes people feel so important because I, I and I feel it's exactly the opposite. Um, I have not that much respect for people who keep telling me that they are so busy and they are so this and so that, because I believe that we we shouldn't be busy all the time. What's your yes. take on being busy? Uh, uh, should I should I talk to you as a coach? What yes. I believe? Yes. Okay. So looking at it with my coach's hat, I would when people come to me, and um, and I have a number of people doing that, I can instantly tell that it's it's a drama they're playing in their head. This is what I, because I used to do that as well. I'll be very honest. I used to feel subconscious, and this is very subconscious, of course, we both know it's it's based on a program. So um, it's exactly as you said, um, maybe I was feeling that I'm doing a lot by just being busy or by just constantly saying I'm busy. But what I realized is that it was actually, um, let's say, deteriorating my health because I don't know if you know this, um, Elizabeth, part of my journey into before I became a coach, I I knew a lot about the mind and I had studied it a lot and I knew hypnosis, but there was a time when I got so busy and I left all of those ideas or not whatever I believed. And I was working in real estate. So I was very, very busy. And I was perhaps acting, as you said, more busy with myself. And uh, then I got into events, which was even worse. And I found myself at some point in a hospital. I had, I couldn't, my stomach couldn't hold anything. I couldn't breathe properly because I, I had machines helping me breathe. I couldn't drink water. Um, so there were just some machines hooked to me and I, and they couldn't tell what's wrong with me. They uh, really um, couldn't find out what's there. And I spent around like a week there until, um, and this, I, I got better. And then this happened a couple of times over the course of two years until finally they said you were having extreme panic attacks. So I took a big break at that point and I really, that's when my real journey started to go within myself because I was also blaming myself. If I know, if I know so much about the mind, how come I can't really find out what's the problem? 
until I realized that part of the problem was that I was creating that air for myself, that air of I'm busy, I'm busy, and creating all that stress or tension because it creates tension when when you feel you have to get things done and you you can't get everything done uh it creates a lot of tension in the body and then uh, i think it's like a, a balloon that you keep filling air into it and at some point it just bursts and that's how panic attacks happen so i wasn't listening to my body i was disconnected and um at some point my body gave in and said, you know, stop. <laughs> you really need to look at how you're thinking about your life. Mm, you see? And I'm doing more now. I'm doing more now in my and life. And you're less busy. I mean, you know. I'm I, less busy, yes. I mean, I'm you're probably busy. more busy, but you're not talking about it all the time because you have learned, also you have learned how to prioritize. I think I would call it the busy disease and I don't like it. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and you know you know what it does as well it creates guilt as well because mm -hmm. when you keep saying I'm busy I'm busy and then you look at what you've been doing throughout the day and you feel you still haven't done enough it creates guilt mm -hmm. and guilt guilt as an emotion uh, we both know it's a very um, it can be very damaging to health it's worse than anger or yes. fear yes yes whereas. If you look at all the list of things that you have done today and you are grateful for them, that's a completely different emotion with a completely different uh, result. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's all about choices, isn't it? Yes. And I think a lot of it also comes with, um, now I'm just going into a deeper part of it, but a lot of it is self-love. It's just accepting that even, even if I'm not busy, I can allow myself to not be busy or not feel fit busy and, uh, you know, enjoy what I'm doing, mm -hmm. perhaps. And you can still because love you yourself. Yes. You can still love yourself if you haven't done all the lists that you have. Um, exactly. Yes. Let's go back. This has been deep now. You see, you, you I want to talk about your the two sides of Nias. <laughs> Let's go back. I did not know that your mom, your grandmother was Russian. And I did not know that your grandparents, because I wanted to ask you, why were you in Sweden? I know that you lived in Sweden, but now I know. Tell me a little bit more about that. And where did you travel with your kids last summer? Okay, I'll tell you first about uh, my grandparents. My grandparents, my my uncle was studying in Sweden many, many years ago. So um, my grand, my grandfather first went, you know, to, uh, he had some health complications. Uh, so for his surgery, they had to go there. And back then their other kids were younger. This was my older uncle. So they all ended up just going there and um, they stayed there. They really liked it. And then they stayed there and my uncle got married there. So uh, everyone ended up staying there. Uh, at some point, uh, I was living there uh, when I was younger. For us, for my family, they preferred Dubai because of the safety and because it was closer to Iran. Uh, you know, Sweden, it's like half of the day, it's dark sometimes. And, you know, we, we would be going to school and my mother was worried. And so there were issues like this. And she thought Dubai is kind of safer for us to grow. So we came back to Dubai. Regarding the other question which you asked me, where did I go in the summer? 
we went we went to Turkey. I had a, a women's retreat with IPEC in North Turkey. Down down to to IPEC, and I think IPEC needs to be on that podcast as well one of these days. Yes, yes. She was in Dubai. Um, I just met her the other day. How is she? Um, She's very good. They were good. doing a. They, she came here for a breathing course with Corina and, and Sandy. We when we did the retreat in Turkey, I I hadn't been to north north of Turkey before, and uh, I was looking forward to it a lot. Uh, and I'd been telling my husband, you know, you have to take me there. You have to take me there. So the retreat place was amazing. And then after the retreat, I had organized for my husband to come, and we. We were moving to different places with the kids uh, every day. Every every day we would go, we would drive to a new part of the north of Turkey. And I got to see different, um, there were different styles of nature in each area that we went. And they were, it was amazing. It was beautiful. It was transformational for me. I loved it because it was green. You had uh, you had water coming out of everywhere. You had you. Sometimes we were in the clouds. Literally, I got to see also um, a very beautiful place which I was hoping to go. There's a monastery in the mountains in the north of Turkey. It's literally hanging on the mountain when you look from down. Uh, it's so high up. Usually, it's in the clouds, and it's so hidden. It's so well hidden in this valley. Uh, and they don't know exactly how old it is. And it was closed for renovation for a long time. So I got to go there and it was absolutely the energy of the place, you know, the feel of it. It was it was beautiful. And uh, so after that, um, we came back to Istanbul and we flew to Budapest and we took a car from Budapest. We were there for a few days and then we went to um, Vienna. We went to, well, on the way to Vienna, we also went to Slovakia. On that day, it was crazy because we had we had our breakfast in Budapest and we had our lunch in Slovakia and we had dinner in Vienna. You sound like an American tourist. <laughs> yes, it, it was it was very interesting for me to you know for these countries to be so close for us mm-hmm. to be able to go to all of them in one day, and I loved um, um, I loved. Vienna, but more than that, I we went to Hallstatt, which was amazing. It's just, it's like a fairy tale. I don't know if you've been there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but it's a village on the way to Salzburg. Oh, okay. I've been to Salzburg, and I know the air. I mean, this is like fairy tale country. It's like Switzerland. It's it's, you know south of Germany. What is the monastery in Turkey called that you? You, you mentioned Sumeli Monastery. Sumella Monastery. Sumella, Sumella. Sumella, that sounds, yeah, that sounds fascinating. That's a place that, yes. uh, that's the thing about these countries, like many countries, you know, people know the beaches, people know the big cities. You go into a north, to the north. I, I, I was always fascinated because when I was working for the police, we used to drive from Thessaloniki up north to North Macedonia. It's a completely different Greece. And in your case, it's a completely different Turkey, not the Turkey that you're used to. So sometimes yeah. it's good to get a little bit off the normal path and do something different. 
uh, actually, yes. Uh, and, you know, another way that you can get off the normal path, I think, is what we did is when we were going through these countries in uh, Europe, uh, I asked my husband to just drive through the normal residential areas because Not I wanted the highway. To yes, yes. Uh, or the city center, uh, you yeah. know, where the tourists go. I wanted to get a feel of how the people living there are feeling, how they're, how, what, what type of street they come out into when they drive to work. Um, and yeah, it was very interesting seeing yeah. it from that point of view. Humans are very, very interesting species and uh, they, it's fascinating. I, whenever I am, well, wherever I am, you know, sometimes I look at the houses and I look at the light, you know, the light is on when it's evening. Yes. And I know that in there is a family or maybe a person alone. And you wonder what do they do? What, what is their worry right now? Or do they, you know, do they, it's, it's fascinating. I think I, I am sharing your fascination with the meaning of life and, and how we function. And it's difficult yes. to find out. <laughs> Tell me, because we're already quite far in, we're getting there. Rebirth by Hekmat. How do you get reborn? I think we're not reborn once, but multiple times in our lives. I had certainly multiple times when I was reborn. I think it's uh, the transformations that we go through, the bigger ones, of course, uh, where we can give ourselves the chance to be a new version of ourselves. Because Sometimes we have these transformations. Sometimes something happens in our life that pushes us towards those transformations. But when we realize that we still go back to a lot of old programming or the old things that we used to do. Um, but um, and sometimes we don't need to wait for that. If we are if we're really aware and if we're conscious of it. When I went on my trip this just this summer, I went with the intention of a personal transformation for myself too. And it, and it did happen. I did uh, have that. Um, and I realized it because I was aware that this is my intention. So it's good to use um, travel for being reborn uh, before disease gets to us. And, you know, our body, like what happened to me, our body says, hey, wait, stop. You really need to transform or change. So, yes, but I'm I'm also, I don't also regret that because even that transformation was, I think it was, um, I can agree that it was a much needed transformation that I needed at that time. And even though it was hard, it was very positive for me. But it can, you know, when people have really, really bad burnout or really, it, it could be dangerous. I mean, you've mentioned that you were hooked on machines. It, it could be life-threatening yes. up to a point. And I, I believe that it's not necessary to wait or to, to that far long or to get to get that far. And I, I still think that mental health generally is still too much of a taboo. People get, they go to the doctors when they have the, a cold, they go to the doctors when they have anything, but when they don't feel well in their mind, they don't do anything and they, until they crash. And I think um, what we do, being coaches or hypnotherapists or all the stuff that we do is available. And I think asking for help is a sign of strength and not a sign of weakness. Certainly, certainly. I mean, I could have avoided that if I had 
looked at uh, my state earlier uh, and I could have noticed it. If I had the tools I have now, thanks to Robert, mm-hmm. mainly. And so uh, I said, that's why I say travel is one of the best ways, I think, that you can consciously have that transformation and make that intention to uh, to change when, when we feel things aren't feeling right in our life or in our mind uh, and ask for help. And I mean, travel will help change the state, but it's not going to... Uh, exactly change the way we live. So if we have those tools and if we can talk to someone and get those tools and then travel and then use those tools while we're traveling, while we're away from our normal environment, where uh, which is like, um, which is triggering all, uh, subconsciously triggering all the uh, other things. When we cut ourselves from that environment, then it's easier to apply those tools. Very true. And before we get to the end, because travel, what's next for the family? I guess your family is not called family Hekmat, but it doesn't matter. Family Nias. <laughs> In terms of travel, uh-huh. I am planning maybe to go to Iran, to take the boys to Iran, uh, to go for, there are beautiful tours that go through like the uh, north of Iran, or you can choose if you want a historical tour. And my sister went on one of those a few years ago, and we have been looking forward to going on one again. Hopefully that's what uh, we would be doing next. Beautiful. Any last valuable tip that you could leave with our listeners? I think that I'm going to relate it to travel because we talked a lot about travel. I just would like to mention that again, I mean, as we said, they should, uh, if, if someone's interested to become, uh, to, to know themselves, they can certainly use travel for that. And, you know, uh, not to be afraid to just go alone on a trip. Um, I, I do that as well. And to learn more about themselves because it always helps learning more to learn more about yourself. And maybe that's why you can change and become a better version. Yeah, that is very wise. And I think knowing our, ourselves is you know, the most important because we can't really know anybody else if we don't know ourselves first. This has been beautiful and I didn't expect anything else because you are beautiful. So thank you so much for being on Most Memorable Journeys, Nias Hekma. Thank you, Elizabeth. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.